grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, 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 welcome to tonight's show. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. I am the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. Uh, we also have investigators up and down the state of California. We're actually 35 strong. Why does it always look like my head is crooked? I swear it always looks like I put my head on crooked. Um, <laughs> it's probably because I have a crooked head, right? Um, we have uh, team members up and down the state of California, and we also have team members in Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and Hawaii. I want to welcome you guys here. You can visit our website uh, for the, for the uh, Paranormal Team website at www.californiahaunts.org. But we also have a radio website for this show at www.californiahaunts.com. See, it's a mouthful. Too much California Haunts. I want to welcome everybody to the show. My gosh, we're at the end of November. We're coming to the end of November and running into December. And before you know it, Christmas will be here and uh, New Year's. And wow, it's just crazy, isn't it? Just, just, just crazy. Um, our guest hasn't gotten, uh, joined the green room yet. So uh, we'll just sit here idly chat for a few minutes while we wait for him to do that. Um, Wow, it's been, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm about turkeyed out. Too much turkey. Too much, too much, too much. Sometimes it's too much of a good thing, right? You know, I had a, I had a uh, 12-pound turkey and shared it with a friend of mine, but we, I still ended up bringing a bunch home, and I've been having turkey for breakfast, lunch, and dinner this, the, the last few days. So luckily she took me out uh, for pizza the other night, and so we kind of got to break up that monotony, but... It's been turkey, 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 just like before the show about an hour ago. I had a um, piece of pecan pie before I before I came on the air today. So, yeah, so I'm getting down to the tail, tail end of my Thanksgiving food, and I can give thanks for that in a lot of ways. Tonight's guest, uh, Rod Shelsky, uh, in fact, I'm going to text him right now. Uh, he was on some of the shows, and he uh, really intrigued me. Um, hang on a second, let me do the text here. And, um, hang on one second. Okay. All right. And, uh, it's interesting because he seems to think that, uh, aliens had actually, uh, landed and lived in the moon, literally on the moon, in the moon, many, many thousands of years ago. And, um, he was going to come on and talk to us about that tonight, I hope. Um, Sometimes it's hard because somebody's got you know some of the guests are on the East Coast and, and and Central Time and whatnot and they get their times confused so sometimes sometimes it happens sometimes it doesn't if it doesn't happen tonight uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about other stuff you know I I've done a lot of paranormal investigating for the last almost twenty years and uh, I have a lot of places where I can talk about the legends there you know in and around California that that I've investigated. So uh, it won't be a, it won't be a major issue, but uh, 
I want to thank you guys for joining me. And uh, yeah, I want to talk about the numbers. Our numbers are rising. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, the last month and a half, how much our numbers have risen. Uh, you know, uh, I'm the, you know, we're always looking for followers. Always, we're always looking for followers on on our podcast. We're all, we're always looking for subscribers on our YouTube channel. So if you can find it in your heart to subscribe to our YouTube channel, that would be great because we have a lot of really, really, really good shows on that YouTube channel. Let me pause real quick. Okay, I'm just looking down to see. Um, we like I said, there's a lot of really, really good shows on that YouTube channel. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> I guess something went wrong with Mr. Shelsky. I did get a confirmation from him over the weekend. So anyway, um, we'll just start off right now about uh, talking about some er some area haunts. Um, there's an area, you know, you, you think like any old building you see is going to be haunted, but that's not necessarily the case. It just depends on the conditions at the particular time. Could be you know, could be the land. It could be anything, and. Uh, when you go out as a paranormal investigator, that's what you have to research. You know, you have to be able to know how to go in and do that research. And my, my team does that quite well, research-wise. And um, uh, downtown, I don't say downtown, but, you know, we don't have a real big downtown. Compared to a lot of uh, cities, we don't have a real big downtown in Sacramento. But we do have an old town in Sacramento, and it, it it's by the river. So you can pretty much guess that. During the, the uh, heavy rains in the old days, there was a lot of flooding, and so a lot of the buildings that are existing now are built over what over the top of the top of, of, of their basements. But the basement is where the main is where um, the road was, the main street. So there's a lot of stories about ghosts in that area. You know, we had you know it was like anything else. It was like you know the time of the Barbary Coast and all that. And we had we had steamships coming coming up and down the river. And, uh, in fact, Mark Twain actually worked at one of our local newspapers here in Sacramento. So he, um, a lot of the stories that, ah, here we go. Oh, wow, I wonder if he's in the wrong room. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, so hang on. Okay, I'm going to send the link again to him. Okay, I'm sending the link again. I don't see you. So let me get this link for him. He's, he says he's backstage, but he's not there. So <laughs> let me go ahead and send the link to him again. Anyway, um, so there's a lot of history and some of the stuff that he had written about. Um, hang on, let me invite him again and get him in there. Clipboard, okay. Let me get him another link to get in here because I don't see him at all. This happens once in a while. Sometimes the wrong link will go out. I've got so many shows going out sometimes that I do send the wrong link. So, let me send the corrected link. There it is there. All right, let me get him in there. He's probably in the wrong show. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, anyway, um, I just sent it to him. So um, some of the stories about the Mississippi that he wrote were actually about the Sacramento River. Even though, yes, Mark Twain did, did you know, grow up on the Mississippi River, some of these stories, you know, were about the Sacramento River because he spent so much time in this area and in old Sacramento. So it's, it's kind of, that's a kind of an interesting little tidbit. And I cannot verify where I read that from, but it was a long time ago that I read that story. But uh, 
if you go aboard any of the, uh, because we have uh, the the Delta King is here, and it's it's been refurbished. It sank years ago. They were able to raise it from the depths of the, the Sacramento River and uh, bring it in here, and they completely refurbished it. And they actually have a actor who walks around the boat, like you know, do it during cocktail hour and stuff. And, and he 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 is he is Mark Twain, this actor. So Mark Twain, you know, has a big thing going on here. Um, anyway, getting to the ghost, there's a lot of businesses, you know, small businesses. It's boutique just like just like in any other old town. Ah, there he is. He's coming in. Just like any other old town, it's boutique And so there's a bunch of businesses. And um, we're waiting for his camera. Ah, it's one of those nights. And um, like I said, there's a bunch of businesses. And uh, a lot of the buildings are built up above where the original street level was because of the flooding. So you got the, you know, you, you got your um, red light district, just like anywhere else, you know. And you know, they're built above saloons and whatnot. And, and a lot of the buildings out there are active. Let me see something. And a lot of the buildings out there are are. Um, He's trying to get connected now. And a lot of the buildings out there are haunted. And it's just, it's just there's just no, no way they wouldn't be really a lot of them. And it's just surprising how many are. And if you walk into the different stores and you talk to people, you talk to the employees that work there, they'll tell you the different stories. Um, we actually went in with um, Channel 10 one Halloween to do the River City Saloon, and uh, they again they have a basement area that you know was originally where the street level is, and um, <laughs> and um, the news reporter that we were with actually got a still photo of what appeared to be a woman carrying a child, carrying a baby in her arms down uh, downstairs in the basement. So that was kind of cool, and, you know. And, and then we were in communication on the stairwell with dowsing rods and, and EMF meters and stuff, we were in communication, you know, talking to what appeared to be some ladies of the evening. Okay, let me see what he says. Yeah, we're right here, and... Okay. Okay, that's fine. Okay, um... Okay, hang on a second. Let me get your phone number. I gotta get his phone number. Hang on. We're gonna do this by phone. Okay. Give me a second, you guys. That's right. He needed to do it by phone number. I forgot. Okay. <laughs> You're not distracting me. <laughs> okay, we're gonna get... Uh, give me a minute. We're gonna do this by phone. What's wrong? Okay, I'll be calling him right now. Let me call him, and we'll get this going. So give me a minute, you guys. I didn't realize, I, I forgot that he had to go by phone number, so here we go. Okay. Not a problem. I can do this. I can adjust. <laughs> you distracting me. <laughs> Very funny. I love funny people. Rob's a cool guy, I can tell. Okay. All right, we're here. We're live. Okay. Hi there. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry for the confusion. Oh, that's okay. That's fine. Um, uh, we could have done it by Zoom just by sound. I mean, I had them all hooked up. I could hear them and everything. Uh, 
Well, we could have done that if you still want to do that. That's fine, too. Okay. Well, what would you prefer? I'd like to do it through sound through the computer myself. Okay. Well, let's do it through the computer then, okay? Okay, sounds good. Thank you, sir. Okay, bye. All right, we're finally getting our act together. <laughs> it's my fault on my end. Um, are you distracting me? <laughs> okay. Well, he's going to hook the sound up, and away we go. Anyway, I'm um, talking about downtown again. Um, you get a lot of that stuff. Okay, we're ready to go. We've got audio. Audio we got. Hello. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? Well, I'm here. <laughs> Am I distracting you? <laughs> I, thought that, I thought that was whoa, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, well, I saw you grinning. I thought maybe you were reading my messages. I was. That was the thing. I was. Are you there? Okay, hang on. Yeah, I was reading your messages. Oh well, good. I'm glad you got them. I. This is, I've used Zoom before, but your system seems to be different from the other times I've used Zoom. I'm not sure why. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm trying to get the mic volume adjusted because I keep cutting out. There we go. Okay, we're good. <laughs> you never know oh. what's going to happen in a live radio. No, you don't. So this it's is live a, radio. Yeah. You actually, oh, you're, oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was maybe like a podcast. Yeah. Yep. We're on the air. Yeah, it's going to go to podcast afterwards. Oh. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I guess it is. Now, what did you want to talk about? <laughs> well, tell me about yourself. Well, I'm an investigator of UFOs for the last um, 18 years. I have uh, worked for MUFON as a field investigator for uh, uh, about two years. I um, also was an on-camera expert in 2019 for a new show they're producing for the History Channel on UFOs. Had to go to Hollywood for that. And, of course... It's not premiering because of the plague, I guess. I don't know, the pandemic, whatever you want to call it. Huh. So it's been held up. And I have um, been invited to speak and did so at the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. And I've written numerous books. Shall I go on boring you? <laughs> I'm good with it. Go for it. Oh, actually, that's about it. I've written a lot of books. A lot of our not <laughs> I was hoping you'd think it was going to be a lot more. <laughs> I saw your books. You have a ton of books on, on Amazon, boy. I'm, that's a lot of books. Yeah, I have a lot of nonfiction, but I also have some fiction, too, like with Permuted Press. I um, I like to research things, and then I like to write fi uh, fact books about them, factual books. And then I like to explore the idea in fiction as well. But I hope people don't confuse the two. I mean, other famous, not that I'm famous, but... Other well-known uh, <laughs> authors. Have, I like um, you. You're cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, the uh, other uh, rather well-known authors have done the same thing. Carl Sagan was one, and uh, Isaac Asimov. With his, uh, he wrote a lot of non uh, non-fictional books, but he also wrote the Foundation series. That's now on what is it on HBO or Amazon or something? Apple. I think maybe it's Apple. That's really cool. Now tell me about aliens on the moon. Where did you? How did you come up with that? You know thing. Well, <laughs> it started when I was on the um, coast to coast radio one time, and uh, George Norrie asked me what I thought of the hollow moon theory, and I laughed it off. I said that's ridiculous. The moon's there; it hasn't, uh, you know, it exerts force on our planet with tides. It's it's can't be hollow. 
And I just laughed it off. But then I started thinking about it and started researching it. And over the next couple of years, I found a lot of evidence. I'm not going to say that I'm convinced the moon is hollow, but there is a lot of intriguing evidence that it might be hollow. And there's also a lot of intriguing evidence that the moon isn't a natural object in some ways. And that got me to exploring it even more. And then, of course, you take it one step further and you uh, there was the two scientists of the um, Russian Soviet Academy, uh, uh, Sherbakov and uh, Vasin, that came up with the spaceship moon theory. And so it was like a logical progression for me to come up with the idea of aliens on the moon. And if you ask me, do I think there are aliens on the moon? I think there's a real good chance there could be or could have been in the past. Why? Why, why do you think so? Well, the oddities about the moon are just too extreme. It's it, it, There's just so many things that just don't fit a natural object. Uh, one famous scientist uh, from NASA, I think his name was McDonald, said it's easier to believe that the moon doesn't exist than to prove that it does exist. That's how odd the moon is. Its orbit is too circular. It's just the right distance from the Earth for uh, eclipses, the only moon in the entire solar system, and there are hundreds of them, that does that. And oddly enough, it's around a planet that has life on it that would appreciate it or deal with it. The moon has uh, rises and falls across the horizon, just like the sun does, and it shows the, um, the um, equinoxes and the solstices the same way the sun does. Uh, the surface of the moon is strange. The near side has these huge dark areas called marias. They're supposed to be lava flows. The far side of the moon doesn't have any at all. The far side of the moon's crust is thicker than the near side. We can't yeah. account for that. Small craters tend to be have uh, deep impact craters on the moon. Large craters are very shallow. It should be the reverse. And all of this lends credence to the idea of the spaceship moon theory, because if there is an inner shell about 20 to 25 miles down, uh, small meteors would impact the surface and burrow in, say, oh, you know, a kilometer or so. But the uh, large impacts would bounce off the shell and the molten matter would come up with it and that would fill the big crater. And that's exactly what we're seeing on the moon. Also, there's other oddities about the moon. The top three layers of the moon's soil are in reverse order, with the densest on the top and the lightest the third layer down. We can't account for that. Put a bunch of dirt in a glass of water, shake it up, let it settle, and always the heavier objects fall to the bottom first. Mm -hmm. Why is that reversed on the moon? So, and I can go on. There's an awful lot of data on this. Haven't there been pictures, well, you know, the conspiracy guys, of, of, of structures, of what they think are structures on the moon as well? Oh, yeah, there's been quite a few of those. And um, I saw some of the originals. Uh, some of those pictures have disappeared. Some were even on the NASA site and then later taken off. Hoagland was one who was really into that and really showed a lot of the photos. But there was pictures of what looked like domed structures, maybe in ruins. There's mm -hmm. pictures of what looked like an ancient fortress. Later, uh, that same area was bombed, so to speak, by a satellite, which was testing to see if there was water vapor. Oddly enough, they hit that very spot where there was a fortress that was airbrushed out, according to Sergeant Wolf, in a photo he had seen of, of the moon before it was uh, changed by NASA. There were, um, uh, there's an image called the L.A. Basin, which shows uh -huh. a series of block-like structures. It looks like the uh, suburbs of L.A. Uh -huh. It doesn't show light, but I mean, these all look old, very ancient. The dark side of the moon, supposedly there was something that looked like a factory, another one that looked like an open mine. There is another one that's called the Space Needle, another one that's called the Antenna. These things aren't small either. They were huge. And then, of course, there are reports of... Um, uh, 
UFOs on and near the moon and following our Apollo ships to the moon. Mm-hmm. And various astronauts have come out and said this. Um, so apparently UFOs just are on Earth. They're in near space and around the moon as well. There is, um, let me see. The, oh, yeah, there is Neptunium. I think it's 237 on the moon. There's none left on Earth. It only has a lifespan of about two and a half million years before it degrades into a, a more stable isotope. On Earth, there's none because it degraded long ago. If the moon is as old as the Earth, it should have long ago degraded there, but it hasn't. There is a lot of helium-3 on the moon, which, by the way, is a wonderful source for fuel, for fusion. And Earth has very little. The moon has tons and tons of it. Uh, Let's see, what else do we have? Oh, we have the um, NASA report on transient lunar phenomena, which dates back 500 years, commissioned by NASA itself, compiled by NASA scientists, and it reports all the oddities, transient lunar phenomena on the moon. We have had streaks on the moon. We have had flashes on the moon. We've had beacons. We have had objects moving on the surface. We have seen blue mists. We have seen blue uh, glows. We have seen what look like volcanoes. So how this is possible on a supposedly dead planet is anyone's guess. Well, you know, as you were talking, you got me to thinking because, I mean, if these aliens are supposedly coming from like millions and millions of miles away, it would make more sense for them to have a closer base to the Earth. Not only that, but what better base than on the moon? Uh, Any general on Earth will tell you that any army, any military always wants to seize the high ground, whether Mm -hmm. it's the Golan Heights in Israel and Syria, or whether it's uh, during the Civil War, the the higher hilly regions of Gettysburg. But... uh, and that is the highest ground that's closest to the Earth. We can be observed Absolutely. all the time and watched. And remember, for a long, long time, we didn't even know what the other side of the moon looked like. Right. Not the, it's not a dark side. It gets daylight, too. But uh, the far side of the moon is a better way to describe it. Absolutely. What got you into look, um, looking into UFOs and stuff? Uh, my brother. My brother, um, when he was 16, went camping with a friend. And he had missing time. They saw an object streak across the sky and seemed to land in the desert, not far from where they were camping. And um, he and his friend said, let's go see if we can find where it landed. You know, it might be a meteor or whatever. So they remember leaving the campfire, and that's the last thing they remember. The next thing they remember is packing up in the morning, uh, his friend John, his father coming to pick them up. They never discussed it, not for 20 years. Then my brother was watching a UFO show, and suddenly the memory came back. And he was living in Vegas at that time, and my mm-hmm. uh, his friend was in San Diego. So he called him up and he said, do you remember this? And his friend John said, well, I do now. And they were so convinced that something odd was happening that John packed up his entire family, sold his house, and moved to Vegas to be near my brother so they could investigate it further. Wow. However, after about 20 years of that, my brother decided he wanted nothing to do with it anymore. He backed off. I asked him one day, I said, Mike, if you're on your deathbed and you wanted to know the answer, would you? And he said, well, that depends. And I said, on what? He said, on whether it's a good answer or a bad answer. That's all I ever got out of him. But that got me going, got me uh, investigating in it. Well, I I wonder if, because, you know, with with a lot of these abductions, I I just wonder if he has had uh, other experiences and doesn't realize it. Well, he does not claim to have been abducted. My brother was okay. very cautious about that. He claims okay. missing time. They can't account for about eight hours. Okay. Uh, okay. He, he suspected he was abducted, but since he can't remember, 
He doesn't, and he did not, and uh, I advised him not to get hypnotism because that was the big thing around that time was right. get hip, hypnotism. I said, it's it's too iffy. You have to be with a really professional uh, uh, hypnotist. And if you, if they suggest any, hypnotism is referred to as the power of suggestion. If they suggest that you had been abducted, then your mind will quickly fabricate that. And when you wake up, you'll remember it as a real memory. So it's a very iffy thing, hypnotism. So um, that got you into looking into all this stuff. What have you found that, you know, among the cases you've looked at, that 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 is a common thread? Well, on the cases that I investigated as a MUFON field investigator, uh, the common thread was that most of them could be explained away or could have reasonable explanations, and therefore I had to discount them. I would guess about 90 to 95 percent. Mm-hmm. But there were 5% that absolutely could not be explained away. And I, in my reports, I had to say that this probably was the sighting of a genuine UFO. Now, your next question probably is, have I ever seen one? I have yes. seen two in my lifetime. One when I was seven years old and one when I lived in San Diego. There was uh, one that 50,000 people saw at the San Diego Stadium when it flew overhead. It was seen on, 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 on the televised cameras from the game. Mm-hmm. So uh, those are the two I, I've seen. What do you look at as an investigator? If somebody thinks that they've been that that they've seen one or been abducted, what what do you do as an investigator when, when you meet with them and stuff? What, what factors do you look at? Well, first you talk to them on the phone and you sort of sound them out. Um, it's I don't know how to put this nicely or politely, but an awful lot of people have. <laughs> I don't know how to say this nice. I, I really don't, but I don't want to say they're nuts, but they, their stories are just manifestly totally unbelievable without any evidence or proof whatsoever to back them up. There was one woman in Greensboro who said that she strangled an alien and fought with him. And I said, well, did you see a UFO? And she said, no, but it was in my bedroom one night. And I couldn't report that as anything but false because or at least lacking evidence is what we would say, any uh-huh. real evidence, because what can you say to something like that? Uh-huh. And she, she was a minister, no less, but I, I, and she said that they're actually, oh, it went on, demons and that sort of thing. Now, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying it was highly improbable, and I'm a kind of a hard-nosed science kind of guy. Uh-huh. So there was another woman who saw a UFO with sphere, silver, and she saw it near where she lived. I drove all the way over to it, checked out the place, found that there was International Airport in Raleigh, very close by, and it was a cloudy day. And I have to say that she might have seen the nose of a jet poking through the cloud as it was making its turn to go north. Sure. I'm not saying I'm not saying that's what it was, but in my report, that's I stated that was a real possibility. So again, that kind of had to be discounted. So this is what you do. Now, if you find more evidence, like convincing photos, then you check the ground, you use any equipment that you might have available, you interview everybody, any witnesses, you make reports. You, we had a um, staff member who was a, a photo expert and he would examine the photos to see if they'd been fudged or in any way changed. And we even had an hypnotist uh, with us. I'm in North Carolina. And uh, this is where I was investigating. We're kind of a hot spot for UFOs. So, but uh, yeah, we, we really, it's really quite rigorous. It's not something like we just make a snap decision. Oh, yes, you know, there's another alien and another UFO. Sure, sure. But I have to tell you 
The upshot of all of that time investigating with them in my own investigation, I am absolutely convinced UFOs exist. And now, of course, the government, after laughing it off, and so is the news media for years, I just love it when two anchor persons are talking about someone seeing a UFO, and they both sort of chuckle and smirk at each other. But um, the, now, since the government has come out and said that UFOs, UAPs, they call them, unidentified aerial phenomena, do exist, that seems to have changed things dramatically. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're getting hard disclosure, but I think we're getting soft disclosure. It's sort of a drip, drip, drip thing. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Why do you think there's some areas that are more hot spots for UFOs than others? Now, a lot of theories behind that. Some say it's ley lines. Some say it's because of uh, military uh, facilities. We do know that UFOs seem to um, love to go around nuclear bases that have nuclear weapons. And there's even one case, well documented, by the way, where a UFO was sighted and then all of the um, uh, missiles came live and were getting ready to launch, and then they, they, they shut down. But they have no explanation for how that happened or why. I mean, you can imagine the military really went through some rigorous investigation on that one, and they never did come to a conclusion, a glitch in the system. And yet, oddly enough, at that same time, UFOs were spotted over the base and were reported and were seen on radar. So, you know, I mean, for me, the question is, do UFOs exist or not is over uh-huh. and done with. They right. exist. Right. The questions now are, who are they? What are they? What are they doing here? And what do they want? See, that's like me, like as a paranormal investigator, that's what I found. I have no question about ghosts being, uh, you know, being there. But it's like, it's like there's there's the other part of the question that says, well, why do they stay? You know, you know what I mean? Even though we have theories of why they stay here, why does this happen to certain people and not not everybody? And in exactly what category do they fall in? Uh, actually, I've, I've been a paranormal investigator, too. I worked for Alien Skin Magazine, and my job was to go in any investigation she demanded of me. And one of them was to um, a prospect mansion in southern Ohio. Have you heard mm-hmm. about that one? Yes, I have. Yeah, I spent three days there. And it was cold. They hadn't remodeled the interior, and there was no heat, and it was winter. Ohio could be quite cold in the winter. Yes, it can. <laughs> but uh, we, we did see some interesting things there. So I don't discount ghosts. Uh, I know that there's a repeater type that don't seem to be so much ghosts in the true sense of the word because they don't interact with people. They just right. repeat something over and over. Now, are they ghosts or are they um, a reflection of the past? I'm not sure. But um, I don't know what ghosts are, but there seems to be something. Right. And my uh, last book was uh, Quantum Immortality, Life After Death. And um, I do go into some depth about the fact that science now considers that consciousness might actually live beyond the grave, so to speak. So the uh-huh. idea of ghosts is, is now actually even getting some scientific credence. Right, right. But I agree with you in a lot of ways with if you investigate, like, like you say, when you go out, you know, for like when you were going out for MUFON, and maybe not, maybe out of... Uh, all those ghosts, you know, out of all those reports, there's only going to be uh, maybe a, a handful that you can confirm, you know. And it's the same thing with us, with the point that I think there's so much stuff on TV, uh, you know, that people are seeing that that when they hear a weird noise or, or something odd happens right, right away, oh, it's a ghost. Exactly. And in some cases, I can't discount that they saw the UFO, mm-hmm. but I can find other explanations like the one with the jet being really close to where she saw a UFO. Uh, that doesn't mean she didn't see one. It just means uh-huh. that in my report, I couldn't say that this was a likely sighting. I could have been wrong. 
and right. very well could be, you know. So, what is? Uh, uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead, please. No, go ahead. What and is ask me a question. What is it? Re- <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to interrupt you either. Um, well, what is a report that that sticks out in your head that that really, you know, really rang true for you? Um. I would have to say there was a case where a uh, man and his son were out in the country here in North Carolina. If you're talking about me personally, one I, I investigated? Sure, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, because uh, he took pictures, and uh, I went to the actual site and investigated. Now, the thing didn't land. It hovered very low to the ground. He said about six feet up, and he had a photo of it. Now, the photo was a bright light, but he had several photos, and... I did a preliminary investigation of them, and then I gave them to the um, staff photographer. Well, actually, through our state director, she gave it to them. And um, they concluded that the light was in the foreground and wasn't a reflection from behind the trees or through the trees or anything in the background, and that whatever it was apparently was there because it was casting um, not reflections but lighter areas on, on the terrain around it. And that meant that something had to be there to be doing that. So, and also the photos did not appear to be in any way faked. So, uh, and that was according to a specialist. And he was a very good one. So, Mm -hmm. um, and he said it and his son said it. And, you know, partly what you go on is when you talk to these people, do they sound convincing? Do they sound like they are really telling you the truth as they see it? I have no doubt they were telling me the truth as they saw it. Could it have been some weird phenomena like ball lightning or something? Possibly, but it was a clear day, and ball lightning is almost always associated with thunderstorms and regular lightning. Uh-huh. And it only lasts a split second. This lasted almost three minutes. So uh, time enough for them to take a number of photos with two different cameras and from different locations. So, yeah, I, that was pretty convincing to me. This is all interesting to me because I know growing up, I would see lights in the sky and stuff, and stuff that I couldn't explain, like, I mean, I grew up, my, my dad was a, what was an airplane aficionado. And I remember that there was this thing, I remember looking out the front door, and I must have been all of about like eight or nine, and there was this thing in the sky, and it was, it, it was round. And the first thing I thought, well, maybe it's a Goodyear blimp. It was really strange, because it seemed like it had rotate, rotating color lights on it. But it hovered what? for like two, like, like two hours in the same spot, and then disappeared. Well, again, that could be a blimp because the blimps do have lights on them. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember them being multicolored when I was a kid. but right. uh, but um, And they do can hover in one spot for a very long time, like over a ball game in a stadium. Yeah, yeah. And so, again, you well could have seen a UFO, but you right. also could have been seeing a blimp. Maybe not oh, a yeah. picture blimp, but a blimp. Right. So, again, a, yeah, as an investigator, I would have to – mark that down in my report and say, mm, you know, but the evidence is in years and years. Uh, MUFON has been collecting this data and I finally left MUFON. Uh, one of the reasons was the, um, what ha- was happening at the top, my state director, state director quit and, and I did mm-hmm. too, because we didn't like what was going on with the board. Mm-hmm. They were basically, you know, I, I, I don't want to cast aspersions, but it appeared as if they were selling seats. And one was to a woman who said she was trans-channeling a 50,000-something-year-old alien. When you start, I'm a, again, I'm hard-nosed when it comes to UFOs. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, it's, 
I approach that differently than I approach the paranormal. Although I do try to be fairly scientific about paranormal as well. And I don't discount the possibility of mediums. I really don't. Although I do think an awful lot of them are misguided individuals who think they have the ability when they really don't. Mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't mean that all of them are that way. So right. I'm, I'm very open to that. And I do believe there are genuine psychics in the world. I think there's enough evidence for that, too. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I, I, I know you do TV shows. I'm not knocking TV shows either, but it just seems like, like with the paranormal thing, you know, six, six, seven years ago, or even ten years ago, it was like you'd go into somebody's house and it was Uncle Bob. You know, when you'd investigate. Now when you get calls, it's people saying, oh, I have a demon. I know I do. Yeah, there's been a, a switch, and that was the thing that the state director here of MUFON and I and several others, and also a lot more around the country, didn't like. We didn't like this blurring of UFOs with um, with the paranormal to that right. degree. Right. I mean, if people see orbs, they might mistake it for a UFO when really it's a, a ghostly manifestation. Sure. That I understand. But when you start throwing in demons and all this stuff and wrestling with aliens who are agents of the devil, I, I just don't buy it. For one thing, you can't prove it. And therefore, what's the point of even... Uh, theorizing about it because right. if you can't prove something, if you can't somehow approach it with a scientific method and you can't prove it, then it remains just a, a, a hypothesis or a theory, nothing more. How do you feel about a lot, a lot of these, these um, alien encounter shows or UFO shows? Well, the History Channel, and I shouldn't say this, I probably won't get on the air after this, but uh, <laughs> the, the History Channel is probably the worst uh, and uh, Ancient Aliens, although it has a lot of good information, is a really annoying show to me. Very annoying. And what they did with the MUFON show, uh -huh. when they did the case files, I thought, uh, I know for a fact that a lot of those had been, well, it's like all reality shows, how it's it's really the producer's version of reality rather than reality as it really happened. But it's not uncommon for people to change their belief systems um, you know the case about fire in the sky with Travis Walton, right, probably? Yeah, yes. Yeah, well, you know, at first, you know, when he was doing the circuit and speaking and everything, it, for him it was a negative experience, as, as it would be. You know, starving, freezing, all that kind of thing, and losing a week out of your life. But then later, I think, and this is my personal opinion here, is he became, um, and I have met the man once, I think he became a victim of Stockholm Syndrome, where he began to relate with them. And all of a sudden, what he, they did for him was good. The reason they took him on board the ship was because he was hurt, and they were helping him. Yeah, right. And then he doesn't remember anything for a week, and he shows up dehydrated and naked miles away. And his friends supported the fact that he was, you know, taken. Mm -hmm. So so how you go from it being a negative experience to being a positive one where they were really helping him, Although if he ha they hadn't been there in the first place, he wouldn't have been hurt. Uh, makes you wonder. And then there's other people who say, oh, aliens are our space brothers. And I said, really? Then would you please tell me one good thing you've ever heard about a UFO? Have they ever shown a light down into a burning building and taken out uh, the family? Have they mm -hmm. ever shown a light and a beacon into the forest and, and guided Hansel and Gretzel out of the dark, dark woods? Have you ever heard of them doing anything, anywhere, anytime that was positive? I said, I can give you countless cases of injuries, 
uh, damage to property and deaths, far more deaths than people realize. What can you give me? And they said, well, there's, a, uh, there's a several cases where people were cured of cancer or something. I said, yes, after they'd been abducted, but inserted with tracking devices, according to them. And apparently the, the aliens didn't want their experiments to die ahead of time. I said, but you can't take four or five cases versus thousands, and I'm not exaggerating here, of cases where they were harmful and negative. And, uh, and tell me that uh, there are space brothers. They, I think they're either amoral or they're immoral. But they don't seem to give a darn about us. Uh, the idea of human rights, apparently, when you abduct people against their will and subject them to torture, even if you uh, erase their memory about it later, doesn't make it okay. Right, right. I know, um, I'm not going to mention names or anything like that, but I know there are people who believe that there is a good group of aliens and there is the bad group of aliens that do these uh, the, 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 these these horrible abductions. So, uh, uh, I, don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I gave a speech at the uh, space Con Sky and Space Conference in uh, Baltimore a couple of years ago. And there was one woman, she was quite irate. Oh, there are space brothers. They, 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 they don't want to interfere. That's why they allow these bad aliens to do this to us. I said, well, if by not interfering, they're allowing the other aliens, and there must be lots of them, to interfere mm -hmm. and harm us to the extent over a million and a half people claim to have been abducted. This is not a minor thing. If it's real, if it's true. And so my attitude is, uh, if our space brothers are just standing back and watching us getting mutilated and tortured and our animals mutilated and tortured, I wouldn't call them our space brothers. I would call them observers, but not our space brothers, you know. I agree. I agree 100%. Now, um, going along that line, do you think the government uh, at some point made – because, you know, there's that conspiracy thing about one of the presidents may, may make it an agreement with them in exchange for technology to allow them to take so many people. I think it's probably true, or at least a lot of it's probably true. First of all, I don't think our government can stop them. And mm -hmm. I think that, I think now with the proliferation of videos because of uh, phones and things, they couldn't very well deny that uh, UAPs, as they now call them, right. uh, uh, exist. But they say they probably aren't extraterrestrial. And yet, just today, there was a news article by a noted scientist who says, well, if they're not extraterrestrial, we don't know of anyone on Earth who has this kind of capability or is even close to having that kind of capability. There's Whatever is making these things operate seems to be defying the laws of physics as we know them. Now, I'm pretty sure it's not Russian. I'm pretty sure it's not China. So who is it? I'm from uh, Australia. I was lived there as a child. I'm pretty sure it isn't the Australians. So who does that leave? <laughs> <laughs> now, could they be interdimensional? Yes, they may not be from another planet. They may be interdimensional, and that's why they seem to be defying the laws of physics. Anyone who can uh, transit from one parallel universe to another probably is pretty good at physics. And as we develop, our physics, physics becomes more and more elaborate. We learn more and more, especially about quantum physics. And uh, so, and where would we be in, say, a thousand years in that regard? Could we do this stuff? Uh -huh. Probably. So maybe they already have in some parallel reality. So where are they from? I think they're, well, there's a, a number of places they could be from. They could, they could be from the Earth. They could be a uh -huh. kind of a creature that we just don't understand and never imagine. Uh -huh. Unlikely. They could be from below the ocean. They could be a species that has evolved under the ocean and they're highly technical. Um, a lot of scientists say this is probably impossible because it, you can't do metalworking and stuff without fire and you 
It's hard to have a forage underneath the ocean. Sure. It's not impossible, but it would be very difficult. So what does that leave? Extraterrestrial or it leaves interdimensional or mm -hmm. from the future. So those are mm -hmm. our three main options. Which one do you think it is? You know, I kind of think it might be interdimensional. Yes, I kind of think that too, actually. You know, because then, you know, I know this is out there way of thinking, but, you know, you look at these guys like Gene Roddenberry and these different writers who have, who have kind of predicted stuff in, in a lot of ways, you know, of, of what we're doing. And who's to say that these guys can't do, do, do a beam in and beam out like they do in Star Trek, too? Well, yeah, that's true, too, because, again, we think we have all the answers to physics, but we can't yeah. figure out quantum physics versus um, normal classic physics, and we cannot understand um, gravity and quantum gravity. In right. order to understand a black hole, we have to understand that. We have yet to figure that out. So maybe they figured that out. Yeah, and it explains, you know, a lot of, a lot of those reports where people see them going, you know, walking, walking out of walls. Yeah, and that brings up the subject of shadow people. What do you think about those? I can't quite figure those out. I don't know if they are, you know, like you know, the theory behind that used to be that it was someone that died and forgot what they looked like, just like with the orbs. But the shadow people, I, I, I can't figure them out because it just seems like all they wanted, they don't harm anybody, they, they just observe. Yeah, they're creepy little characters. And they're creepy. <laughs> yeah. I come in contact with a couple of them investigating. They are creepy. Yeah, I had one in an old hotel that, while we were doing an EVP session, walked right in the room and stood there and stopped and stared right at us. At Prospect uh, Mansion, we were up in the loft of this huge barn. Now, there's a loft, and then this, you know, it's up above, and then there's this vast open space where there's only the bottom floor, and you're looking out over it, and there's the opposite wall. They had a light shining on the opposite wall. Uh -huh. to sort of generally illuminate the whole barn. There was about 30 of us there. And while we're standing there, a shadow walked across the far wall, a shadow. Now, it had to have been cast by our light, yet our uh -huh. light was right with us, and no one was in front of the light. Uh -huh. So what was that? So. Oh, yeah. When I was doing the EVP session, one of my investigators, because there was a, hall, a dark hallway down behind me, and she went, there's somebody coming up the hallway. And I said, well, how can you see it? Because it's dark, you know. But there was a door because it was an old, old hotel. And you know how some of those old hotels have that stained glass stuff in the door? Kind of, kind of reminds me of the Titanic, you know, where, where the light comes mm -hmm. through. And you could see him. And he was about six, six and a half feet tall. And he walked right up. And he stood there and stared at us all. And then uh, we, we ordered him out. And he went out through that door. And then later on, he came back through. Did he have a face? Eyes? No, he did not have any of that. It was he was just totally black, just like just like looking at a silhouette. Huh. That's interesting. You know, um, on the internet, on YouTube actually, I was watching a bunch of paranormal videos, and there was one, and I cannot find it, but I watched it several times in a row when it was on, and it takes place in Mexico. It's on a dirt road, and there's a family sitting on a porch of their house, right in front of it's a dirt road. Now a car goes zooming by clear then this thing goes zipping by it's it's just a blur it looks almost totally transparent like it could be a glitch or a trick of the camera except uh -huh. one of the uh, mexican men on the porch jumps up runs out and stands in the road and looks down the road and then the other way looking to see what the heck it was so he saw it too and this was real there was no commentary no nothing to go with it, it was just that video 
I'd love to get a copy of that video. That would be interesting to see because we were out um, headed to an old cemetery up up up, up in the foothills here. Uh, uh, one of my psychics on my team and myself, and as we were driving, it, it was dark. You know, the headlights were on high beam, and a man crossed in front of us, a shadow man. He was so dark that he blocked out the light from the high beams when he crossed in front of each high beam. And the weird thing was, is he went up the hill, disappeared. And this was one of those deals, you know how some of those old roads have like the, like the steep grades on the sides? Mm-hmm. He, yeah, we even stopped the car. He, he, he had crossed in front of the car, went, went up the steep grade. I'm wondering if they're not um, slight crossovers from an interdimensional thing. I wonder if we're not. Uh, the same thing was this thing that was on the road. Whatever it was, right. it was only partly in our reality if it was there at yeah. all. Yeah. I mean, you could clearly see it in the video. Uh, when I say clearly, I mean it was transparent and it zipped by at incredible speed. Right. And even, even when you try to slow it down, you know how YouTube is. You try to slow something or freeze frame it, and it doesn't do very well. But right. I was really trying to look at it more closely. But the man on the porch, along with some other people, apparently he's the only one who saw it. They were all sitting there talking and chattering. But he jumped up and ran and looked in that road. And obviously he had seen whatever it was, but and, and it really had disturbed him. So whatever the heck that was, I'm not sure. But, you know, there's a lot of cases of people disappearing and vanishing. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if they're not just, like, falling through a crack in the dimension sometimes. Um, it is interesting. You know, you, you get into that that whole, you know, um, missing 411 thing. You know, well, it goes way beyond that. That's what I mean. It goes way beyond that. But I'm just saying it's just yeah. weird because people will search for them, search for them, and then all of a sudden in the same in the same areas that they're searching, boom, they'll find them. They're dead, but they'll find them. Or they'll find some remains from them or whatever. Or maybe some articles of the clothing that they know yeah. couldn't have been there because it's in plain sight and they would have seen right. it on their first three searches. Yeah. Right, right, right. Well, you know, uh, the FBI says that about 60,000 people a year disappear in America alone. Now, that's not including people who are kidnapped, parents who steal the children of the other spouse, uh, people who are murdered, uh, known people are murdered. This is just people who disappear and they disappear forever. Australia has estimated up to 30,000 people a year disappear. Mm. They, don't, they only have a population of about 28 million or less. So uh, that's an incredibly high number. Alaska, um, 7% of its population was estimated to have disappeared over a uh, 12-year period. And the, the so-called Alaskan Triangle, 7% right. is huge. Now, the population of Alaska is quite small. But even so, 7% is really high Uh and now most countries don't keep records of this at least not the western industrialized countries um i mean we do but other countries don't botswana you know south africa they don't but if you were to add them all together you're talking probably hundreds of thousands of people a year who disappear permanently every year now a million and a half claim to be abducted are these other people being abducted? What's happening to them? And uh-huh. we have numerous historical cases of people disappearing in plain sight. One famous case in um, uh, England was of a man who was betting that he could run a certain distance in a certain amount of time in a pub. And, of course, they had been drinking. And they said, okay, we'll bet you you can't. And they decided that he might cheat. So they followed him in a horse or cart. They were literally just feet behind him on this road. He seemed to trip and fall forward, and he screamed, and he vanished before their eyes. He was never seen again. 
The police investigated the matter because they thought it was foul play. They interviewed everyone. They interviewed the circumstances, a, con uh, a thorough search of all of England and Scotland and Wales was undertaken. He was never found. To this day, he was never found. I could go on. I mean, there's case after case, but I, I think you get the idea. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it's really interesting, you know, when, when you start looking into it. Because, I mean, who knows what's happening to these people. Well, if it's UFOs, one of my books, uh, Deadly UFOs and the Disappeared, talks about that. If these people are being abducted permanently, what's happening to them? Mm -hmm. And people think that abductions are fine. Uh, did you hear about the case of the, the body that was found near a reservoir in San Paulo, uh, Brazil, in, back in the early 90s? I had not. A young kid went out fishing along the reservoir. And he saw what looked like a man laying across the uh, narrow isthmus in the lake on the other side. So he managed to get over to it, and he found the man, and he was obviously dead. So he called the police. The police came, and they did a thorough investigation. And they found that the man's eyes had been removed surgically, apparently. Ooh. That his tongue had been removed. Part of his lower jaw had been removed. His genitals had been removed. His rectum had been excised. Um, he had small puncture wounds under his armpits and in his stomach, and his internal organs had been taken out through them. There was no blood on him or anywhere around on the, on the grass. At first, they thought it must have been gang-related, but then they decided no gang could ever possibly have managed this. The excisions in his body were laser precision, they said. They looked as if they'd been cauterized. To this day, they don't know. The government hit it. It happened in the 80s, and the government, I think it was about 85, 86. I, it's, I'd have to look it up. But uh, the, it didn't come out until the coroner himself, finally, years later, in the early 90s, decided to go public, and he posted them on the Internet. And you can go on the Internet, and you can see these photos for yourself. They're hideous. So this man was mutilated by something, as if he were cattle or sheep or a horse. So when people tell me the aliens are space brothers, it's like, Really? <laughs> yeah, I have somebody in the chat room suggested that maybe, maybe it's portals you know that, that are opening up that people walk through inadvertently, you know, not realizing it. It could be. It, we just don't know. We need there's so much we need to explore, but so much of it's been not allowed. I mm -hmm. mean, no, no scientist for years, for decades upon decades, well, virtually almost what 80 years, was allowed to investigate UFOs seriously. And if they did, their careers were ruined. It was the third rail of your career to investigate UFOs. You could not get government grants for it. No university would keep you. It was the death of your career if you did so. So darn few would do it. One thing you mentioned earlier that kind of got my, got my attention, too, was you were talking about the you know, people having cell phones and stuff. What a lot of people don't realize you know like, like like when you think back to all these ufo sightings over the years they're always blurry it's a you know the the the, the, the photography is bad but what people don't realize is that cameras have come a long way oh they have i mean the photos we're getting now are pretty darn good really but you also have to remember if it's an object that is bending the laws of physics if they have cloaking devices and there was a case where a um, jetliner over Paris, France, saw a huge, um, huge UFO. I mean huge. This thing had a diameter of a mile and a half, 
We're talking mothership big here. Now, he reported, his navigator reported it, the uh, co-pilot reported it, and a flight attendant happened to be in the bridge reported it. And as he watched it, the thing became transparent and disappeared. Now, was it leaving our reality or was it simply um, getting a cloaking device? Mm -hmm. So when we take pictures, if the things look fuzzy or change shape, it could be due to the physics involved or it could be due to cloaking devices. Right, Often right. We'll, we'll see an alien spacecraft in clouds. It seems that when they're in clouds and there's lightning, they'll show up. So, so uh, you know, they do have was, their limitations. That was something else I experienced on the way home from work one evening, um, crossing a river, actually, here in Sacramento. Uh, I, I saw the, the clouds light up, and whatever was in there at the time went straight up. Yeah, there was a UFO over O'Hara Airport in Chicago witnessed by no less than 150 or so maintenance and, and ground crew personnel. This thing hovered over, there was a cloud layer, it was below the cloud layer. Uh -huh. A lot of passengers, they say some 50 passengers in the airport saw it through the windows. And then suddenly the thing, uh, the thing shot straight up uh -huh. and punched a hole through the clouds. And you, they had photos of the hole. So and now this was before cell phones were common, just before. Right. So, and this hit all the national news media. It was on all the major news channels. But then, of course, the government glosses it over. The FAA said they weren't going to investigate it because it didn't, it wasn't, it didn't present any sort of hazard to the airport. How the heck that wasn't a hazard to the airport, I have no idea. <laughs> but that was the FAA. So if you ask me if the government's hiding things, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, even with, you know, the advances with photography with cell phones, there's still limitations, though. And people got to realize that, too, is that, you know, with a lot of cell phones, it takes them a, a couple seconds to focus on a moving object. And it's really I, difficult. And they do have a focusing problem, um, especially when it comes to the paranormal. Mm -hmm. uh, I, my, my own uh, cell phone did it. I took a picture of my new house, the upstairs. They were still working on it, but it was basically completed. And I had all these orbs in the picture. Well, they were dust motes. The camera didn't know how to focus with these things floating in the air. So that's uh -huh. what it came up with. So cameras can be tricky. People can hoax. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But even if you wipe out 95% of sightings, that still leaves 5% to 7% yeah. that absolutely cannot be accounted for in any other way. And now, finally, the government has issued videos and said, yes, the UAPs exist, apparently, but they seem to um, bear no danger to our aerospace. And it's like, oh, and by the way, that's another thing. You know, the, the um, program that was doing it was, at the time, they've changed the name again, but it was ATIP, and A stood for aerospace. They didn't say aeronautical. Uh -huh. They said aerospace, which implies that these things were being seen by them, not just on Earth, but in space as well. You know, I just find all this interesting. That's why, with with the explanations that the government's giving us and stuff, that's why I think there, there's some kind of agreement in place. I think there was an agreement. Well, logically, there absolutely could have been an agreement. If they did meet with these things, whatever they are, and they said, we want to take citizens because there's experiments we want to perform, tests we want to make, the American government was powerless to stop them. Mm-hmm. So if they could come up with some kind of deal where they could limit the number and gain some technological knowledge as in, in trade that might advance us to the point where we could stop them eventually, that would be a very logical thing for our government to do it. That would be their way to try to protect us. You sacrifice the few to protect the many. And it's 
it, it does seem quite reasonable. And also, you have to remember at the time this all started was the late 40s, 50s. Right. And people panicked easily about stuff like that. Just look at any of the B sci-fi movies from the 1950s. But I, uh, some of them were really kind of scary, too. Even now, I watched The Crawling Eye the other day. That was pretty scary. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, Americans, people in general around the world, probably were not ready for that. No. So I think what's going on is that sort of drip, drip, soft disclosure thing. First, we're going to deny it forever. Then we're gradually, as technology improves, and we can't keep denying it because too many people are seeing it for themselves. Then we'll admit that they kind of exist but we don't think they're extraterrestrial. Well, if they're not extraterrestrial, what are they? Uh-huh. I mean, honestly, it's not Russia and China. These aren't hypersonic missiles. They can't behave that way. We know the laws of physics. You can't have something go from a stopped position to 7,000 miles an hour in an instant and not uh-huh. flatten anything inside of it, including the instrumentation itself. <laughs> the gravity uh, uh, would be incredible. I mean, you wouldn't just be flattened. You would be liquefied. So uh, whatever they're doing, they have a control over inertia as well. They're not affected by inertia. And we don't know how they can do that. Do you think that things like Sasquatch and, and maybe um, Chubacabra and those kind of creatures are related to all these experiments? Well, again, that's where we cross over sort of into the paranormal. And mm-hmm. yet um, there is some evidence that these, I don't know about Chupacabras, but yes, I think even Chupacabras, seem to be related to the alien question, the UFO question, because there are often sightings of both in the same area. Now, is it just some very, um, uh, oops, excuse me a minute, my uh, automatic robot decided it was time to start going. <laughs> yeah. That did it. But uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. We live in an age where things seem to want to do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do them. <laughs> I could have lied and said, I could have said alien. I could have said alien. <laughs> but would you have believed me? <laughs> I would after this conversation. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, you know, again, it's. I know a lot of people don't believe in UFOs. Usually when they see one, though, they, they go through a, um, a sea change. They they have an epiphany and suddenly they become converted. But I'm rather like them in a way. I have to, well, I want to kick the tires of the UFO to make sure it's real, if you know what I mean. Right. So I'm not, uh, I'm not a believer. I even hate the, that term. Uh, do you believe in UFOs, Rob? It's like, no, I don't believe in them. Uh, I don't believe in refrigerators. They exist. Try walking through one. Do you believe in ghosts? Now you might get away with that one because we don't have enough evidence one way or the other yet. But UFOs exist. They do damage. They kill people. They injure people. They exist. So what do we do about it? And that's my next book, by the way. Just a little subtle plug there. (laughs) 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 But uh, yeah. Let's talk about your your subtle plug there. Um, What do we do about that? (laughs) Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Uh, my next book is going to be uh, called uh, Look to Your Skies for Warning. And it comes. the line comes from a very old 1950s uh, UFO movie called Earth Versus the Flying Saucers. Look to your skies for warning. And the premise of the book is I, I break it up into categories. First, are UFOs real? And of course, my answer is yes. And then the next category is where are they from? What are they? Then I, I say possible sources, all that sort of stuff. And then what does it mean for us? And now here's the question. It means that they are just observing us or experimenting with us. 
or they are inimical and dangerous to us, or they're benign and just don't care about us one way or the other. It's one of mm -hmm. those three things. The evidence seems to suggest that they are at least amoral, if not immoral. They seem to lack morals by human standards. And an alien might. They might not have emotions like we have. They might not have a sense of right and wrong. They might be thoroughly scientific. And we don't mind mutilating animals all the time for makeup and perfumes and medicine. So right. maybe they see us as that, just a, a low-level creature, um, like the way we see ants. I don't know. So they may just be amoral, and th therefore they don't present an overall threat. Maybe they are just observing us, but... If they're not, we've got a problem because they're so advanced, there's little we can do. You might try to hide in a bunker underground, but even we can find bunkers now with LIDAR and ground-penetrating uh -huh. radar. And I'm sure they're much more advanced than we are. So the issue becomes, what do we do? How do we defend ourselves? If the government were to come out and say UFOs are real and they are extraterrestrials, and yes, they do abduct people on occasion, but rarely, would you send your child to the local market at night? No, hell no. No. I wouldn't either. So we would, it would drastically change our civilization and the way we function and behave. We suddenly wouldn't be the top of the food chain anymore. In fact, that was something that um, um, uh, Mr. Lear said to my brother. The, he was a big UFO guy of the Lear family. Uh -huh. he, my brother was talking to him on the phone one time, and he said to my brother, he said, Michael, let me ask you a question. Michael goes, yeah. He goes, do you think we're the top of the food chain? And my brother says, I don't know. I said, well, that was your answer, Mike? You don't know? He says, well, I don't know. He says, what do you think? And I said, no, we're not the top of the food chain. When something can demonstrate the science and technology these things do, we're not the top of the food chain. Now, whether they're interested in eating us or, you know, and, and I don't mean liberally, but I mean in the sense of using us in some way that we would not like, um, I don't know. But they could they? Yes, they could if they wanted to. You know, I mean, we have pets, cats and dogs, and then a lot of people, when they get tired of them, they just dump them. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, the saying, the, 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 there's an old saying of, you might think you're a fish, but there's always bigger fish that can eat you. Yeah, I never met anyone who thought they were a fish, but... Well, I'm just saying, you know, the... the... <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> By the way, do you believe in the dark forest theory? I do. I actually came up with that before the uh, the science fiction writer who, who talked about it did. 95% um, of human beings are considered to be basically law-abiding, but there are 5% that are considered true, hardened, criminal elements. Uh -huh. If the same holds true for civilizations throughout the universe, that would suggest 5% of alien races might be that way. And the moon could well be a civilization that set sail in the cosmic sea right. inside of the moon to hide themselves from a, uh, an enemy race. And think about it. You can't, no radiation escapes the moon, no television, no radio waves, nothing. You're perfectly safe. And in the dark of space, they say there's more rogue planets between the stars than surrounding stars. You'd be lost in the depths of space. You'd be a dead world. They would have no way of finding you and they wouldn't have the time to do it. And But once every few millennia, you might have to pull into a solar system and gas up, so to speak, and park yourself around the sun. And where, not, where would you park yourself in our solar system but around a planet with life on it, Earth? Sure, sure. So my idea of the dark force theory, that dates back about 10 years. I didn't call it that. But um, uh, that's a real possibility, too. 
Well, it is a possibility. And just like, well, you could, maybe it's like this too. You don't, when you think about like, and I'm not going to mention countries or anything like that, but a lot of the settling that goes on are people that, that the, the, the main mother country doesn't want anymore. So they ship them off to somewhere else. So who knows if, if this isn't what, what's happened too with, with, with these darker aliens. Well, my ancestors in Australia were criminals. Right. I didn't want to mention bonded. any place. I was being nice. <laughs> you were being very nice, but I, I think England owns up to the fact that they shipped away their criminals pretty darn well. I go to England right. every year. And the English are pretty well aware of it. <laughs> they don't seem to have minded, though. <laughs> I don't know why, but they don't. And uh, yes, Australia was a criminal colony. Uh, America, oddly enough, wasn't. Yeah. But, uh, but Australia was. And that, they did send a lot of indentured servants to America, people uh -huh. who were indebted and that sort of thing. And they, and they, but they had to sell themselves into into servitude. They couldn't be made to go into servitude. Right. So I think, although maybe they were, I don't know. England was pretty harsh back in those days. I mean, you could be hung for a loaf of bread. Yeah. You know, it didn't take much. No, it didn't. But, but again, it was the Little Ice Age, and times were tough all over. Right. But that's what I was saying is maybe, maybe, maybe the same thing might be going on throughout the galaxy too. You know that they have their share of their problem children, and then they're, they're going to say, "Okay, go find yourself a lifeless place to live, but that's near other lives that, that that you guys can bully instead of us." Yeah, and there's something else you have to remember, too, is civilization can only afford those morals that it can economically support. Mm -hmm. There's a reason the ancient Romans had slaves. They actually had to have them in order to function. It was common in those days. Everyone had them. But um, it isn't. But now we don't need them. We, don't need, uh, we can afford not to have them. So it's very easy for us to say, oh, slavery is wrong. Well, slavery is wrong, I feel, morally. But, uh, I mean... The hard facts of history and reality are that societies can only have those morals, high-flown or whatever you want to call them, that they can economically afford. If you can't mm -hmm. afford them, you don't have them. If, if a loaf of bread is really, really important, then if someone who steals it has to face the ultimate penalty. Mm -hmm. And that's what the way it was in England during the Little Ice Age. It was tough, you know? It was tough to get by. So um, I, when we look at past civilizations in history... I don't like the fact that we try to impose our morality on them. We didn't live in those times. We weren't living hand to mouth. It was very common in medieval Europe that 90% of what you uh, worked on in your life was to provide food for yourself and your family. That was it. Your whole life was devoted to getting enough food to feed your family, and often you didn't. So it's easy for us when we're all overweight and obese and suffering from type 2 diabetes to say, oh, well, you know, that was just really wrong. But uh, uh -huh. it was a necessity, survival. So, again, it's hard-nosed and it's horrible, but that's the way life was. Absolutely, absolutely. So why now, mind you, I was gonna, uh, one, one, uh, one caveat to that. If a civilization has slavery just because they're lazy and they want to have it, that's absolutely what's wrong in my opinion, you know. <laughs> But, I mean, if, if your family had to survive by getting the farm labor of slaves at that time, then you would do that. Right, most, right. Most people would do anything to keep their family alive, you know. Absolutely. What do you have to say to people who think that they might have had a UFO experience? Um, I, would, I would suggest that they contact MUFON and, and report it. We need, the bigger the database, the more we will learn. 
My only problem with MUFON is it never seems to use the database except for a television series. And I, it's a huge database. I still have access to it. And um, I can't understand why we aren't using it. We, 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 they have this great cross-correlation of cases. You can search for different items that pop up. Why aren't we doing this? This is a, a massive database. Why aren't we saying, how many UFOs appear to be triangles? How many appear to be orbs? Let's get some actual physical data. Let's count them. Mm -hmm. uh, what's, what are the hotspots? What ships are showing up at those hotspots? Where do the abductions seem to be taking place? Under what circumstances? We might learn a lot if we just really investigate that. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I want to ask you, uh, what's next for you? Well, the next thing is I have a uh, another radio show tomorrow night. I won't name, <laughs> them, uh, name them, though, because out of fairness to you. And I have to do the uh, speech at the MUFON, Maryland State MUFON in February. And I'm in the middle of writing that book, uh, Look to Your Skies for Warning. Fantastic. Rob, thank you so much for coming on. It, this hour went by like, like crazy. I loved every second of it. You did kind of fly by, didn't it? <laughs> it did. It did. We got along just fine. Yeah, um, did. yeah. Even if I did distract you. <laughs> <laughs> you did, yeah. I did it. That was pretty funny. But I would love to I would love to have you on again at some point, you know, after your new book comes out so we can talk some more. I would love to, and I thank you very much for having me on your show. Thank you so much, and you have a good night, and have fun on the other shows. Thank you, sir. Good night. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, that was pretty fun. That was some cool stuff. Had, had a bumpy start, but hey, we started. I started. I, we all started rolling. I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. Tomorrow night, boy, if you're going to tune in on, on a show, tomorrow night's the night. I heard this lady, um, my, my, my guest, Lynn Monet, tomorrow. I heard this lady, of course, I listen to radio shows like really late at night, right? And so and I'm here alone in this house, <laughs> and I'm in a house, and it's old, and it creaks, and, and there's noises, and my dogs make noises, and all this is going on. I listened to this lady one night, and I was here, and it scared the living daylights out of me. And her name is Lynn Monet, and I'll give you a little background real quick, and that she had purchased a house back east, I believe it was back east somewhere, uh, for herself and her kids. And, you know, it was just a, a, nice, a nicely priced house. There's usually, you know, in paranormal circles, there's usually a reason why a house goes cheap or a house is really good priced when it's a big house. You know what I mean? There's usually a reason. Anyway, she purchased this house, and the family only lived in this house maybe two or three days before the, before, in fact, that they never officially completely moved into the house. That's how active the house was when they moved in or when they were moving in once they purchased it. And what she has to say is eye opening about this house. And I encourage you guys to come in and watch tomorrow. I'm not just saying that because I want you guys to watch my show because obviously I do want, want you know, want you guys to come in and watch the show, but this this story scared me. I'm a paranormal investigator. I've been doing this for almost 20, 20 years, going on 20, 21 years. Her story just totally, the, the chills, the chicken skin, the, the, you know, just, it was, it was just insane. And what, what the family went, what the family went through, what the workers that went in the house went through, you know, the people that were remodeling the house. And it started right away when she moved in. 
or, or I'm not saying we went, but when she got the keys and she went over to the house, the stuff started just right off the bat. So I encourage you to check us out tomorrow at, at, at 6.30 you know, Pacific, because this, this is going to be a really, really cool show, talk, you know, talking with her. Um, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show today, share it with another five people. We're equal opportunity here. We want to get our YouTube subscribers up, and we're getting there. You guys you guys have got me well, well over 100 YouTube subscribers right now, and, and we're going up. The views uh, are incredible. You know, we've gone up a, our view it's just it's just crazy to watch the numbers and i'm really proud i'm really happy that that, that you got that, that that you guys are all coming in to, to look at our videos and stuff as we have a lot on there you know we go back uh, on this for in this format we go back almost two years and wow you know you guys are doing a great bang up job but we still need subscribers it's like anything else um our website you can if you know if you have trouble finding us on youtube or you can go to our website at www.californiahauntsradio.com and you can find our, our stuff there and, and subscribe from there. But but please, please come and subscribe. Um, you know, we're trying to build that up. We're always trying to build that up. We're, we're like any other show, too. You know, if you, if you like us, click on that bad boy. Um, the other thing, too, is that California Haunts is, is a uh, nonprofit organization. So there's no money that comes in at all to support us. Anything that comes in goes towards equipment and goes towards our investigations and just like the mics I use and, and the computers I use for this and, 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 and the mixer and all that good stuff that all comes out of my pocket, internet, you name it. You know, we could always use some help from people. And if you guys can find it in your heart to donate a little bit to us at paypal.me at California haunts, that would be, that would be great too, because I really appreciate it because I do want to keep bringing these shows to you. And if, if you, like I said, if, if you go back through our archives, you will see that, that we've had a lot of great guests, not only with this part, this type, this type of format, but we also have California Haunts Radio on Blog Talk that we used to do. We did Blog Talk for like eight years. And so there's a lot of shows there as well. So, I mean, if you could find it in, in your heart to donate a little bit to us, that would be great. But again, I want to thank you guys for... Um, subscribing to our YouTube channel and, and visiting our YouTube channel and seeing those videos and stuff and, and coming to this show and watching it and, and downloading it, um, you know, on, on the, in the, the podcast version and all that stuff, all, all, all the podcast fans that, that, that are out there. Um, I, I want to give a shout out to the people at next door that listen to the show and watch the show. Um, come on over to our YouTube and subscribe. Okay. You guys, I see you guys out there, and you're you're one of our biggest subscribers as far as YouTube goes. Is is, is next door, and some of our biggest watchers. So I appreciate you guys doing that for me. But again, I will see you tomorrow at six thirty p.m. Let me switch my little page here so I don't get lost. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the contact information for Rob because I forgot to do that. And. Uh, after that, I'm just going to run the credits, and I'll see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. with Lynn Monet. So here we go. Website, robshelsky.blogspot.com. He's got a bunch of information on there. His books are there. So uh, visit it. See, and that's the book, Invader Moon. It's one of the books he has on, on, the, on the aliens on the moon. And you can get all his books at Amazon.com. And again, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. I will see you tomorrow night at 6.30 p.m. And we're going to be talking to Lynn Monet about her very, very haunted house.